welcome back to another special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. It's episode 98, and I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm joined on the line once again by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing good. Good, man. Now, audience, we need to we need to come fr- come come clean with you guys. We've been away for two weeks. So the first week, I was away on vacation with my kids and couldn't record. The second week, we got back and we were set up to do it. And then, uh-oh, what happened in Texas, Lux? We ended up getting spring weather, big time. I don't think of the word spring weather. You got humped by a storm. <laughs> so, yeah. So what what happened to you down there? What, what did you get? What sort of weather did you find? It was mostly like, just some like, really bad thunderstorms, but unfortunately, they, the combination of like the wind and like the rain ended up knocking out my internet, and they spent a couple of days fixing it. Yeah, so that sucks. So, um, and I'll be honest, folks, I tried to record this episode to get it out sort of on time. And it just wasn't right. It didn't sound good. So, yeah, it feels much better to be sitting here talking to Lux again this week. So, um, anyway, so yeah, here we are. We're back. We're doing episode 98. We are real close to episode 100, aren't we, Lux? We are real close. So anyway, pretty exciting to think that we almost we're almost into triple digits. That's kind of wild. And uh, oh yeah, have you been listening to people talk about how long the average podcast lasts for Lux? And I have. I'm astounded when people tell me that the average podcast lasts somewhere between five and seven episodes. Can you believe that? And it's just amazing that we managed to get, like, oh, hey, like, we got past our first year. Yeah, like, I can't, like, I mean, like, apparently, uh, we're just, you know. Essentially, we've been doing this for two years now with the, the we tried to end a stay on schedule with weekly episodes. Yeah, we've tried really, and we've been pretty good about it. We've taken a, like, I'll be honest, our fall was a little sloppy. Our winter was better, and we've had a little hiccup here. Um, but, uh, you know, generally we've been pretty consistent about getting getting stuff out every week and, you know, having stuff to talk about. So, anyway, it's pretty cool to say that we're, you know, we're almost at episode 100, and we've outlasted, you know, the, ball, the vast majority of most podcasts. So, anyway, good for us, I guess. I mean, longevity is, uh, is a thing, so... Uh, uh, to us, Lux, cheers, my friend. Cheers. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we move on with some uh, what's what's going on in the world. Yep. All right, so folks, if you like what you hear on the here on the show every week, you can find us very easily. So the easiest spot to find us is thelotuscouncil.com. So go and check it out. We have the link in our show notes, so you can go and find them. And there's lots of great content on thelotuscouncil.com. We talk about it every week. You should be well-versed in what what it offers. Um, they are fantastic people that are very kind, very, very willing to talk to you. Um, they're quite prepared to call me a toxic jerk sometimes if I am playing an absolute terribly, terribly toxic deck. And you know what? They're probably right. So uh, 
Uh, we'll talk about that one another day. But anyway, so yeah, um, there's lots of good people who want the best for the game of Magic and make the game of Magic fun for everybody. The Discord is alive and well with lots of great conversations. Uh, and the best part about it is it doesn't cost you one red cent. Not one penny is is, is it going to cost you unless you want to. If you want to get in on the box breaks, if you want to support the Patreon, if you want to get in and do other things, you're totally welcome to and support them. They would appreciate it, I know, because it helps keep the lights on for the, for, for the channel at large. Um, and, you know, you'd be helping us out too if you supported the, them because they've been kind to help us out too. So come and check them out. Come join the, the Discord. The link's in the show notes. You're going to have a direct link right to it. And come and join in and uh, be part of the conversation, part of the community. Uh, and, you know, maybe you, you make some new friends. You, you play some commander games over web, over webcam, uh, whatever it is you like to do. And you're going to find, you can f- probably find it at thelotuscouncil.com. All right, Lux, our show this week is broken up into three segments. So we're going to have our garbage are great. And this week we're going to have a look at the preview cards from uh, Commander Legends Baldur's Gate or Battle for Baldur's Gate. Uh, then we're going to look send, send, spend segment two looking at um, the new vehicle commander deck and some of the unique cards that were printed in it. And then, last but not least, I have what again, what, what again, yet again, sorry me, brought a uh, a, a budget friendly deck so that if people are looking to play get into a game of commander, not too sure what to do, you can this this deck here with Naomi Pillar of Order, you can get into it for a hundred bucks. It's gonna, you know, get you into the table and get you playing, uh, and let you, you know, get your feet wet, and then can be totally upgraded to make your deck uh, customized to you. So lots of fun things to go on uh, with that deck there. All right, are you ready, Lux? Yep. All right, Commander Legends, Baldur's Gate. There are some pretty cool cards in here, I have to say. Have you seen? Did you watch any of this stuff? I actually haven't been. So there was like a preview stream last week and they previewed, I guess they previewed, looks like they previewed uh, six cards and then there was some bunch of lands they previewed and some alternate arts. So there's some reprints in the set. There is Fireball and then there's Lightning Bolt as both cards that are found in uh, Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate, which, you know... Lightning Bolt makes sense to me as a reprint. It's a, it's something a reprint that people always want and or desire. Um, but it's also something one of those spells. If you ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you know that it's it's a spell that seems to match up pretty well with what a character in Dungeons and Dragons would be able to do, which is sort of where this takes its origins, I believe. And same thing with Fireball that you can do that sort of thing. Um, I ha I say that Lux. You're looking at the alternate arts. Have you the alternate art li- lightning bolt? Do you think com- competitive players are going to be into that lightning bolt, or are they going to keep with their borderless and their other cool ones? They might be interested in it because I mean, it's lightning bolt. Yeah, it's lightning bolt and a cool printing of it. I don't know. I think the, the card's pretty cool. Like, see those reprints? That's always a good thing to, to, to be had. So, uh, what else? We have, um, we have a couple of other cards. We have the Bountiful Promenade, Luxury Suite, Morphic Pool, Sea of Clouds, and Spire Garden, meaning they're giving us reprints of the Battle Bond um, lands that are 
I would argue for the purposes of Commander are probably... Like, obviously, the original Dual Lands are top dog. I would then say that probably the Shock Lands are next, because they're still fetchable. And then it's probably these guys, because they're almost always coming into play untapped, which makes them very potent. So, yeah, seems good, right? Yep. And they're probably due for a reprint anyway. So, those are pretty good. Um, nice additions and nice to see them reprinted. Hopefully it brings the price down a little bit further, making them um, a little more price available to budget players. Because uh, as anybody who's a budget player knows, the most expensive component of any deck is your mana base um, in most situations. And if you want to play with uh, with a more optimized land man, mana base, you usually pay out your nose. Right? Am I wrong, Lux? Am I yep. like that? Like, if, if you think about your decks, like, you invest way more in your mana than in anything else, right? Pretty much. It's one of the things that's cool about this game, but also very disappointing. Um, then we have, uh, let's see, there's four new cards that we haven't seen before. So let's look at Ancient Brass Dragon. Five black black creature Elder Dragon. It's a 7-6 with flying. Whenever Ancient Brass Dragon deals combat damage to a player, roll a d20. When you do, put any number of target creature cards with mana value X or less from, your, from graveyards onto the battlefield under your control where X is the result. Well. What do we think? And honestly, I think that this definitely has some latent potential. <laughs> well, the, the potential is like downright obvious. Um, I think the problem with this particular card is only the seven mana you have to cast it. There's nothing else in here that strikes me yep. as being particularly problematic. What do you bet this is a reanimation target? <laughs> like, what do you bet some reanimator deck is just going to play this and like reanimate with like, oh yeah, like this is never getting cast for seven mana, folks. Let's see, like, the, the it, fact it, that it doesn't, like, it doesn't specifically mention your graveyard. It basically just says graveyard. It's it's, it's a reanimator deck, and it's the silliest sort of reanimator deck. So this is going to be bananas. I'm fairly certain. Now, there is a flavor fail on this card. Can you spot the flavor fail on this card? Why is this an Elder Dragon, but not a Legend? Yeah, they honestly, they, something tells me they probably didn't think all the way through on that. Like, maybe there's probably a Dungeons and Dragons reason for why this card is an elder labeled as an Elder Dragon, but in magic terms, like Elder Dragon is like synonymous with like you are a legendary creature that we can now use as a as a commander, but we can't use this one. It's not legendary, so. I think that to me is a flavor fail, but everything else about this card is just screaming, reanimate me from my graveyard and watch me destroy the world. So, it, whether yeah, you like, I could just see they, yeah, they, I could just see they graveyard strats and reanimator. They they are just going to abuse this card. I'm viewing this as like a like a I can imagine this in like a Jun deck, like where you got a little bit of self mill, just enough to put it in your graveyard. 
and then you go, you manage to hide your anger in your graveyard, and then this comes screaming out at like haste and and is angry and crushes the like just crushes the board, and then you roll a nineteen, and then you just pull every creature out of the graveyard. Yeah, when in doubt, jund them out. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So yeah, this one's good. I'm a fan. All right, let's see. Next we have Elder Brain. <coughs> Five black black, so they, they really like their seven mana spells. For a 6-6 six, six creature whore with a creepy-looking brain in the artwork. With Menace. Or, sorry, that's Menace, but Menace. But anyway, whenever Elder Brain attacks a player, exile all cards for that player's hand. I, never, I have not read this card before. This is like, what? Then they draw that many cards. You may play lands and cast spells from among the exile cards. For as long as they remain exiled. If you cast a spell this way, you may spend mana as it were mana of any color to cast it. That's among the most ridiculous things I have ever heard. Like, what? I, I'm taking... I, honestly, I, I feel like that this like, like this card has the potential to be extremely mean. Yeah, it's just going to be just a brutal like, savaging. Think, like, think like you have like... like Someone that plays this against you, you have a game-winning hand. They exile that hand, you know, from you, and that you end up getting like a more like crappy hand afterwards. They are able to use that game-winning hand against you. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I. I mean, okay. It's still seven mana, and I still want to do the exact same thing as like, we just did with the ancient brass dragon. I still want to reanimate it and have it come screaming out with haste. But you know, good. They, it's like people on Magic Twitter say, like untapped lands are the reason why they have trust issues." Yeah, seriously, like this thing is. Oh my gosh! Like, I'd be curious to see what this is going to do to the game. It's you're right. This could be very, very mean, and someone's gonna be really upset when you exile their hand, and it just they're just like, "But, but, my oh, because it says nothing about giving it back." Like, when this remove is removed from the battlefield, you don't get the cards back, so you lose your best toy. Like, whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, whenever I play, you know, they, one thing I always do is, like, after a certain player's turn, I keep notice of how many lands they have left untapped. Yeah. Because, you know, like, they, depending on how many they leave untapped, odds are they have something big that they're planning on and using against you. And they didn't want to reveal it their turn. See, I'm usually looking at it in the sense of they have removal. So if you go for this brain, they've got some sort of counter or removal spell to ensure like you, you never get a chance to attack with it. Um, unless you need... Because I think that's where I think haste is probably the most relevant ability to this card being effective. Because, like... You're not going to be able to slam this as a seven mana spell and then get away with like just having it sit there. Like it's going to get it's going to get nuked or something, right? Like no one's going to let you just because yeah, they, yeah, they no they. This is one of they. This is one of those uh, cards that's basically kill on sight. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like because I mean because it's not even a deals combat trigger. It's an attack trigger. But, like you can't even let it attack. So, if you're looking to maximize this card for, like, for its ability, you need to get it to attack, which means you need it to have haste in the most crucial of ways. So, 
Woo, that thing is mean. Yikes. All right, then we have Wand of Wonder. The Wand of Wonder, three and a red for a artifact. Four, tap, roll a d20. Each opponent exiles cards to the top of their library until they exile an instant or sorcery card and shuffles the rest into their library. You may cast up to X instant and or sorcery spells from among cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. Where So X, sorry, 1 to 9, X is 1. 10 to 19, X is 2. And 20, X is 3. So it means you're casting 1, 2, or up to 3 instants or sorceries out of your opponent's deck. Huh. Huh, it's cute. It's cute. I don't like it, though. So, I think, I think spending four mana to cast it, and then four more to tap it. Do you spend eight mana to try and hit one, two, or up to three instances of sorcery out of your opponent's decks? And honestly, no, like that doesn't really seem worth the cost. No, exactly. I think this is like this is like a trap. Or, like it's but it'll be cute. Don't get me wrong. It'll be funny to do and cute to do, but I don't think it's good. So I not then like I'm gonna be honest with you, four mana artifacts that don't do anything until you invest four more mana into them, like an eight mana artifact, like that's not a thing that sees a lot of play. Right, like if I go, like if I go to EDH rack, and I look at artifacts, right? Like how many of them are? Like I haven't looked yet, but like let's let's talk about like how many artifacts you think are going to be four mana or over that are going to see play. Most likely going to say at least two. Well, I'm looking here. Two or three. Like I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. So the first one that's over that's over four mana is Bolus' Citadel. Like within the top twenty cards. And is Great Henge. Still going. Biden of Thassa is the next one. And Let's see, past two years. Does that change anything? Nope, even less. Like, nothing here. Like, like you're not... Bulls of Citadel again, first one. Great Henge. Um, so, like, you, you're just not playing this card. Like, four mana artifacts just oh, don't get played. Very regularly. There's Aetherflux Reservoir. Crystal. Vanquish's Banner. Uh, like, that's it, man. Like, no one's playing these sorts of expensive artifacts. There's a Helm of the Host, and like, pro- in the, probably in the top 100. And now we're getting the things like Embercleaves and, and whatnot. Embercleave. So, like, and even those, like, those things all have, don't make, take another four mana to use. So, you're spending eight mana to use this artifact. Like, this is not even going to be a thing. Like, unless you're, like, trying to build, like, the most cutesy, ridiculous deck ever. Like, you're just not, you're just not playing it. So, yeah. I'm out on this one. I think this is bad. It's a trap. Don't play it. Um, it's cute. Uh, but I don't think you're playing, you're playing it. 
And then we have Minsk and Boo, Timeless Heroes, who are Planeswalkers. And so two red-green for a three-loyalty Legendary Planeswalker Minsk. And when Minsk and Boo, Timeless Heroes, enter the battlefield, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you may create Boo, a Legendary 1-1 Red Hamster Creature token with Trample and Haste. Plus one, put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature with tramp, uh, with Trample or Haste. So, you're pumping Boo. Minus two, sacrifice a creature. When you do, Minsk and Boo, Tireless Heroes, deals X damage to any target where X is that creature's power. If the sacrifice creature was a, was a hamster, draw X cards. And Minsk and Boo Heroes can be your commander. That's cute. I like that. I mean, I'll be a fun commander. It's got some... It's got, like, bucks. Anything else? Like, I, I, I think this might be... You know, like, it's not going to be uber-powerful, but and it's still going to be fun to play, though. I think it'll be fun. I think it's, I think, I think it's, I think it's a suitable impact, suitably impactful power level without being absurd. Yeah. So, I like it. I think it's a good card. Um, if I open one, I might try and build a Minsk and Boo deck. I, I kind of like it. That's kind of looks like kind of fun. Cool. Anyway, the set looks like a lot of fun there, folks. Uh, I'm now... I remember right. This is being released sometime in releases in June. So we have uh, Streets of New Capenna in April, at the end of April, and then we're into Battle for Baldur's Gate in early June. Looks like it releases June 10th. So we're going to get six weeks of New Capenna, where it's the only with the new kid on the block, and then we're going to be straight into Battle for Baldur's Gate, and that's going to be cool. <laughs> Don't you love the like the whole like total product overload we're gonna get here? Yeah, and honestly, like I know that my LGS has been seeing like an increase in uh, the foot traffic ever since this new cycle started. Pretty much, yeah. Like, yeah. can I just ask you? Ask you, hold on a second. I need to go check on my kiddos upstairs. Give me a second, okay? All right. Give me a moment. I'm back. Yeah, I apologize. Um, so yeah. Um, so thanks for the for waiting for me. Um, little one kicked her had kicked her bed frame with her foot while she was rolling around in the bed, and you can imagine that hurts. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to segment two. Um, we're gonna look at some Neon Dynasty. Uh, some of the uh, cards from the new Commander product. Uh, tonight we're going to be looking at the at the blue white uh, vehicles deck, um, but before we get to the de the deck uh, there or the cards there, at Lux, um, I, I need to admit something here, folks. Um, remember Lux back when we were doing a, a review for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, we were talking about the sagas. Yep. And well, you and I both sort of came down on the side of being the, the sagas were not very good. You remember, you remember us talking about that, how these seemed really unimpactful? Yeah. Turns out I think I'm... Yeah, I do. I think, I think I'm really, really wrong. <laughs> That's what I think. Um, now, I'm not going to say that they are, like, world beaters in every every such of the word, but I do think that they are um, far better than we are giving them credit for most of the time. And uh, so... <clears throat> Here's why. 
folks. And I've discovered this by playing, uh, not by playing Commander, although I have put a couple in my Commander decks. Um, but it's by, um, it's by doing, having played some Brawl and Historic Brawl. And you can see what these sagas do. And the one recurring theme that they all have is they all turn into creatures after they've on their third trigger. That doesn't sound like a great ability, does it? Like, it doesn't sound awesome, much, does it? Except, really? except when you can pick them. Now it's easy to pick them up again and play them again. You can bounce them. You can blink them. You can... You can do all sorts of stuff to pick up your things. You can return a permanent to your hand. All that, all that sort of stuff that makes you do that and puts, it, puts the, the card back in your hand means you now get access to the saga once again. And that sort of ability to be replayed is really impactful. Because um, one of the big complaints with the original set of sagas, or all other sagas, apart from the ones in this set, is that after the third trigger, they disappear. They go to your graveyard. In most cases, sometimes some of them have a fourth, but like most of them, most of them in three, in three triggers, and then Dunzo. Well, now you get to reuse them and like rinse and repeat, and I'm like, oh, these things are much better than I give it credit for. So, yeah, I'm not saying they go in every deck all the time. I'm not saying that they are like going to replace like top S tier staples, but they're a lot better than people initially thought. Like. The 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 limited players got wise to them, and I think it's going to take us a little bit of time too. And I think uh, these sagas, as far as I'm concerned, are definitely worth getting taking a good hard look at because I think that they're all of them are you are something you should probably be keeping an eye on quite closely. So that's my two cents. <laughs> I think they're actually quite good. All right, should we look at the commander deck and what the new cards are in the deck? Yep. Okay, so um, there were two decks that came out with in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. We really haven't talked about either of them here in this uh, on this show. There was a red-green modified deck led by Chishiro. Um, so Chishiro is... I have a copy of one right here because I have opened one in a pack. Chishiro the Shattered Blade, two red-green for a 4-4... That does a lot of things when you have artifacts or, or equipment, auras, or plus one plus one counters on your creatures. Very cool. Or they have the blue-white vehicles deck um, that's helmed by either Katori or Shorakai. All right, so we're going to look at the green at the blue-white deck today. We'll look at Shishiro next week um, because there's a number of unique cards that are printed in that. And so I think it's worth our while looking at the We'll start with the two commanders, which are Shorakai and then Katori, and then we'll talk about some of the other cards in the deck that are um, unique and are really quite interesting. So, let's start, Lux. Do you want me to read Katori, or do you want to read Katori? Let me bring it up here. Yeah, Katori, yeah, on the list of the show notes, is the thir- it's the, thir- the third link. All right. <clears throat> okay, so come on, load.
Like so, like Katori in a pilot prodigy for like one, a white and a blue, another creature in a moonfolk pilot, two four. Vehicles you control have crew two. At the beginning of your of combat on your turn, target artifact creature you control gains lifelike and vigilance until end of turn. Yeah. That's neat. Like that's my sense my sense with Katori is that's neat. Um the fact is you turn any expensive cre- any expensive vehicle you have into a crew two seems pretty decent, right? Yep. But that's not awesome. And the problem you still run into is that okay, so with the vehicles, they don't become artifact creatures until you crew them. So, okay, you've tapped your creature to crew the vehicle. And the creature, the vehicle is going to gain lifelink and vigilance. Terrific. However, sorry, give the, the lifelink and vigilance give, allows it to be used on your turn in an offensive capacity and then can also play defense, which could be really impactful, right? However, the problem is the, cre- the yep. creature you have that's crewing it is still tapped. If it untapped the card that crewed it, that would be like I don't think I'm not sure I need like the lifelink is useful. All right, no, I mean you're, don't get me wrong, but I think I'd almost rather have it, it untap the creature that is piloting it and has vigilance, so that you can then turn around and still be able to block on the crackback. Like, does that make sense? Like, you understand what I'm talking about? Like, your crewing card is still tapped. Dude, really? That's kind of bum. Like that's kind of a bunk, bunk trick. I'm not, I'm not a fan. I just, I just don't like that as a, as a, as a card for a vehicles deck. Like it's obviously going to enable your vehicles, but I don't like it as my commander, um, for a whole bunch of reasons. Like, are you? Do you like? Do you? Would you? Would you be excited to play that card? And honestly, not really. No, me neither. So, don't get me wrong. It's a, I think Katori goes very nicely in the 99. If you're playing a blue-white vehicle stack, Katori goes very nicely in the 99. But I don't think I want Katori to be my commander for my deck. I think I want Shorakai, Genesis Engine, to be my, to be my commander. So Shorakai is, uh, get this. Two white blue for an 8 8 legendary artifact vehicle. One tap, draw two cards, then discard a card. Create a 1 1 colorless pilot creature token with this creature crews vehicles as though they were, uh, its power were two greater. And crew eight. And, and it says Shorakai Genesis Engine can be your commander. So I think this makes a far better commander because it's got the ability to draw you cards, it makes tokens. And then when you get to the later stages of the game, becomes a, an eminent threat to close out a game. It wouldn't take much as an eight power attacker to end somebody's night with commander game with commander damage. Thanks to Shorakai. So yeah, like does this not tell you like seem like a much better commander than Katori? And it does. <laughs> so. I mean, Katori would be great with Shorakai. If you could be, if you could play them 
in tandem out on the battlefield, like you're gonna be, be laughing. But because, like, yeah, that'd be. I mean, obviously they're meant to be played together, but <clears throat> yeah, not a huge fan of um, of of Katori as my commander. Um, but I do like Shorakai. So there, that's that. Do you want to read Drum Bellow? Drum Bellower. Let's hope this one comes up in a quicker than in a, the other one did. Yeah. No, it's not any faster. I'm sorry, audience. <laughs> nope. Uh... Okay, here no, That's because I'm using my phone for everything. Okay, so here's this. I'll do drum bellower, and you pull up aerial surveyor. All right. Like it just now came up as you said that. Oh, okay. So okay, you do you do drum beller. I'm gonna pull up the aerial surveyor, and so we're ready to go. All right, we'll go ahead and read drum beller for the audience. Okay, for two and a white creature spirit two one with flying, untap all creatures you control during each other player's untap step. Uh, that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a combo enabler right there. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. That's like, see... Like, you know what this card's... Like, you know what this card screams? Uh... <clears throat> a whole bunch of things, but anyway. What, 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 do, what does it say to you? Yeah. Basically, it screams, Hey, you thought I was undefended, but wait until you see everyone that I have waiting for you. Yeah, this is something for sure. I'm looking at the commanders it pairs with also. Like, some of these cards are, like, just very powerful. Drum Bellower is nice. It's a spirit, too. So, like, you want to put it in Millicent. You want to put it in Amara. Oh, it'll be good in Amara. If you can tap and untap Amara, Soul of the Accord, you're just laughing. Same with Kelsey and the Plague. It's the one that, uh... Yeah, because it's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Sidri, <coughs> Savala, Quain. All these things have, like, tap and untap abilities, and it's just like, oh. Oh, how cute. How cute. Anyway, yeah, I like this card. There's not much to say about it. It's just good. It's just a good card. Nox, do you anything you want to add? Like, did I did I miss anything? It's like, are you excited for this? Like, any more excited than I am for Drum Bellower? I mean, honestly, the I'm probably the, this probably isn't going to go into Nethroy simply because like it just doesn't fit into that specific and uh, build. But I'm sure that I'll be able to find another in a, in a deck and to what? put this in. You know what? And maybe it does fit in Ethroid because, like, now you can, like, when you have, you, you've built up your scary board state, now you can attack and your things untap so you can play defense and you can le have the best of both worlds. And it's still a non human, so you can still target it with, with Nethroid to mutate onto it. Honestly, they, I know I said this before, but cards like this is are the reason why it took me so long to even like get started on building an Ethroid deck. No, fair. And so maybe you don't want to tamper with it yet. But I'm just saying, like this might be a card you pick up, you put it in the box, 
and you save for a later date when you've got, you know, you want to switch up something in a deck. Because I think this card is very, very powerful. Very powerful. Um, up next, we have Aerial Surveyor. Two and a white for, for a vehicle uh, flying. Three, four. Cruise for two. When Aerial Surveyor attacks, if defending player controls more lands than you, search your library for a basic planes card, put it into, onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. That seems like a useful ability in white. Doesn't seem broken. Yep. Doesn't seem scary. It's just yep. useful. This yep. is going to see a lot of play. I like it. Big fan. Like, folks, there's not much else to say here. Now, um, with Ishin, this could be interesting with Ishin because it's an attack trigger. So you could double up the attack trigger with Ishin to, to ramp, to, to catch yourself up on mana. It's not. I don't think it's truly ramp because you have to have fewer lands than the player you're attacking, but you can play catch up and not fall behind, which in white is almost as good. So I also like that this dodges uh, sorcery speed removal for the most part because it's because it's a vehicle. So kind of, I kind of like it. It's kind of a fan. Um, I think this one's a pretty potent inclusion too. All right, you want to read Research Thief? Alright. So Nate for four and a blue artifact creature, Moonpoke Wizard, three three, with flash and flying. Whenever an artifact creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So it's like Posky but for artifact creatures. Yeah. But it doesn't have it doesn't have the indestructibility that Toski has. But it does allow you to it does allow you to play it at flash speed, which is maybe more more interesting. And it triggers off itself. Yeah, I mean this card is fine. Like it's a it's a fine card. I'm not in love with a five mana three three flash flying creature with the upside of the trigger because there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to get to to make a profitable attack. With Research Thief. Because it's a 3-3. I, so I find in Commander, like, 3-3s don't really get far. I mean, maybe this one... And, like, if this was a 3-3 for 3 mana... Okay, now we're talking. But, like, this is a 3-3 for 5. Like, by, five, by turn 5, or, or 5... Like, everyone has 5 mana. Like, this is probably outclassed badly by at least one player, if not multiple. So, I think the card's cute... I'm not, and because it's got flash, you can get a lot of value out of it. I just don't, I'm not in love with it. That's basically what I'm coming at down to, to decide. Lux, tell me I'm crazy. Uh, you're not, like, this seems pretty underwhelming to me. Yeah, like, it's very clearly a, an impactful card. Like, Toski, which is kind of its comparison, is kind of, is, is very powerful. But this one... Like instead of having the indestructibility and the and being forced to attack, you get flashing at flying. But I don't know. I'm not just don't. I'm just not hugely in love with it. So I'm kind of out. Kind of out. Um, up next we have Iron Soul Enforcer. So four and a white for a four four artifact creature, human samurai. Whenever Iron Soul Enforcer or a commander you control attacks alone, 
Return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield. I think this is powerful. That's what I think. Like, if you're playing, like, if yeah. you're playing one of those awful enchantress decks, of which there are numerous, this is just going to let you to buy back enchantments from your graveyard. And it puts them directly into play. So if someone kills your Smothering Tithe, somebody kills your uh, Ghostly Prison, somebody kills your whatever else you're looking to play in white. Like, let's be honest, the Smothering Tithe is the big one. Um, but like, there's lots of other white enchantments that are people are playing that are very, very powerful. Um, let's have a look here. By color white enchantments. Let's have a look. Wait, wait, you're playing... I just named the top two. Uh, Smothering Tithe, Ghostly Prison, Anointed Procession, Land Tax, Cathar's Crusade, Blind Obedience, um, like Sphere of Safety, Felidar Retreat, all the glitters. Like, all these are good to return your hand. And if you're playing an Enchantress deck, like, this is like a no-brainer. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not playing it in things that are not Enchantress decks, but this is pretty easy, huh? Like, just to going to find a slot pretty easily. Yep. Okay. What do you think? Most likely. Yeah. Do you have a lot of enchant enchantress decks running around at your meta at the store? And yeah. there's a couple. You should ask those guys if they, if they, what they think of this card. Because I think this is like this is the oh it's art return target artifact. I'm mistake, not enchantment. Artifact. Well, let's have a look and see what enchantments look like. Uh, uh, I want uh, utility artifacts. Uh, well, you can get your Archaeomancer's map. You can get... These are less impactful. Uh, I, should re I should really read the cards better, huh, Lux? <laughs> uh, Alright, those are fine. Those will be fine. What, are the, what other top... Go to other top uh, artifacts so we can get the past two years. What get what gets sacrificed or dies fairly readily? Well, you get your greaves or swift with boots back. Oh, you get your bowls of citadel back, maybe. I don't know. Lots of good targets here. Yeah, I mean, it'd still be useful. I just think it's less useful now than if I. I thought it was enchantments. Did I just read that again? You control alone. Attacks target art. Return target artifact card from your graveyard. Yeah. Well, I still think it's pretty interesting, and I, I'm I'm pretty okay with it. But uh, if it was enchantments, I'd be switched on. Right, right on. All right, we have. Uh, this is yours, right? Go for it. Yep. And we have Kappa Cannoneer for five and a blue. Artifact creature, Turtle Warrior, 4-4. Four, four. Improvise. Your artifacts can help cast and dispel each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana abilities. Pays for one. Ward 4. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Kappa Cannoneer, and it can't be blocked this turn. That's disgusting. That thing's going to just stomp you. 
Like, you're going to get yeah. stomped. In an artifact-heavy deck, you're just going to get stomped. And that's going in Brea. That's going in all sorts of decks. You're just going to get squashed by it. Good heavens. I mean, there's not much to say. Like, there's a reason it's already a $13 card and just got printed in a Commander, in a commander Precon. It's just good. So, and it's going to kick your butt. Yeah, like this thing. Yeah, like this thing was made to just like game end your opponents. And like, look at it. When an artifact enters the battlefield, so that's treasures, that's clues, yep. that's food, that's gross. This thing's gonna kill you. It's gonna be like a twenty twenty and stomp you. It's going to kill you, and it's gonna laugh all the way to the bank yeah, while doing so. Much. So, um, folks, if you can, if you find a Kappa cannon here, go get it, put it in your deck. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be sad. All right. Uh, um, I have Imposter Mech. This is the oh the clone variant. One in a blue artifact vehicle. Three one crew three. You may have Imposter Mech enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature an opponent controls, except it's a vehicle artifact with crew three and it loses all other card types. This is a big boo to me because I I don't want necessarily have to clone my opponent's things. Let's imagine I really have a card on my battlefield. I want to clone. Let's say I have a Kappa Cannoneer. I want a copy of it. I can't now because Imposter Mech won't let me. However, if I had played actual clone, I could do that. Or Glass Pool Mimic. Or, or, or. So, I don't love this card. Um, I know copying things is very powerful. But I kind of feel like this one's Stinky PU. Because it's stipulated it has to be an opponent. A creature in opponent controls. Lux? Yeah, Nate. I'm not a fan of this. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like we've had so many clones over the history of the game that one more like this is not going to move the needle. It's not a thing. It's just not going to do much. So. All right, Cyber Drive Awakener. Go ahead, Lex. This is you. For five and a blue, artifact creature construct 4-4 four, four with flying. Other artifact creatures you control have flying. When Cyber Drive Awakener enters the battlefield until end of turn, each non-creature artifact you control becomes an artifact creature with a pace power and toughness 4-4. Four, four. So this is just... This is overrun on a blue creature. Like, yeah. there's going to be games where you get, like, the, the ground gets clogged up, and no one can punch through, and then your predominantly artifact deck slams this, and then just runs like bum rushes the table, and it's over. That's what I think this does. Yeah, yeah. This honestly seems like a game uh, problematic card. Oh, I mean, I mean it's like it's ultimately fair. If you remove it, they don't have flying anymore. Um, but you know, yeah. it's it's really powerful. Now, I faced this on the weekend. And I'll be honest, folks, if you have people in your meta playing this new this blue-white vehicles deck, go out and spend a couple of bucks on a Sandworm Convergence. Because you know they're going to have flying artifacts, they're going to have flying vehicles buzzing around all over, all over you, and Sandworm Convergence is going to keep them honest. Because the flying creatures can't attack any longer. So you're going to hide behind your Sandworm Convergence, praying to God you find an answer, or that you can kill them, well, this thing 
allows like just allows the player to crush your opponents who don't have a sandworm convergence. So that's my two cents on Cyberdrive Awakener. <laughs> Folks, if you are playing this deck, go and spend the fifty cents or whatever it costs for a dismantling blow. All right, dismantling blow is like not expensive at all. Dismantling blow is six cents, <coughs> and it is destroy target artifact or enchantment. And if you kick it, it even draws you two cards. But here's the reality, folks, and I'm going to tell you the story. Story time with uh, Bruce. Um, so I was playing up my I was playing a game on the weekend where my one opponent was on a Leela. Uh, so she, he's making uh, fairy rogue tokens that all fly. And then the other guy was playing this blue-white deck, and he had this Cyberdrive Awakener, so all his things flew. But I had the Sandworm Convergence, and I was, and they couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't get to me. And they couldn't get to me, and they couldn't get to me, and they couldn't get to me. And neither of them played any enchantment removal. That was that way I could find. Um, so you probably should play it because you never because the one card tipped the entire tipped the entire game in my favor. It would have cost them not like, like six cents to put it in their deck and have an answer. So yeah, dismantling blow. You need to play it, folks. All right. Box, any thoughts on Cyberdrive Awakener? Any other, other, any, any other ideas on it? And honestly, like a lot of the cards that I've been seeing tonight, really, my, they really want to make me play blue. Doesn't that feel dirty? <laughs> okay, this yeah, deck... yeah, they, these cards yeah, make me well, want to play blue. That's because blue is the new, the new green. Uh, <laughs> playing big stuff and stompy stuff. All right, so this next card is also really good. Three and a white for an instant called Release to Memory. And this is like, I think this card is like, it's going to get adopted widely. And it's 30 cents, folks. Listen to this. Exile target opponent's graveyard at instant speed, Lux. Instant speed. No longer do you need to wait for a Bajuka Bog. You can just zap it instant speed with this thing for 30 cents. For each creature card exiled this way, Create a 1-1 one, one color spirit token, creature token. So you exile five creatures out of an opponent's graveyard, which I don't think is a stretch. You get five, five one ones and they ended up with an empty graveyard? Like, come on, man. Like, this is not even fair. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, no, I, like, this card is, it's 30 cents, folks. I think you should go grab, like, a half dozen. And anytime you build a white deck, you just slip this in there. To deal with that guy who's got a great who's got a graveyard strategy, and ever because every table's got at least one. Lux. And honestly, like with some of the cards that we've been getting in the last couple of years, suddenly Gaunte doesn't seem so dirty no. anymore. It actually seems like a decent <laughs> card. Yeah, it like these make Gaunte look like a nice <laughs> Isn't person. That funny to say too, like. like God, he's my friend. <laughs> These cards are like the power creeps undeniable. You can't even pretend. But yeah, no. Anyway, that's all the new and unique cards. The rest of the deck is uh, is reprints. Uh, having seen this card, this deck in action, 
Um, so Josh Lee Kawhi played it on video for uh, for game nights for Neon Dynasty. So if you want to see um, what you know, arguably a pretty good deck brewer for Commander, play like pi- brew it and pilot it. You might want to go check it out. Um, I was playing it on the weekend. I was thoroughly impressed. It was a pre-con right out of the box and had lots of game. So for like for what 40, 50 bucks, whatever it costs you these days, I think it's money well spent on a on a very viable commander. So I'm a big fan. I think you could do a lot worse than um than a Shorakai or Katori deck. So yeah, I think it's pretty pretty sweet. Any other thoughts there, Lux, on the on our dear friends uh the uh, the blue white commander deck. Okay, so nope. we're gonna move on to segment three. Let's move on to this week's deck tech. This week's deck tech is Naomi, the uh, pillar of order, which is one of the uncommon legendaries from um, Neon, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. And let's read Naomi here. Naomi says, uh, so three white black for a four, four legendary creature, human advisor. Whenever Naomi Pillar of Order enters the battlefield or attacks, if you control an artifact and an enchantment, that's an important distinction, and an enchantment, create a 2-2 white samurai creature token with vengeance. Sorry, vigilance. Bah! What am I doing? Vigilance. So, I think vengeance should be a keyword too on the on the card. Um, I, I think yeah. wizards will make it eventually, but yeah, with, with vigilance. So, okay, audience. I'm personally of the opinion that this card is a sleeper pick. Um, and tonight's deck is going to be a hundred bucks to get you in the door playing. And I think it's going to pack some pretty, some pretty good punch. All right, Lux. So here's my thought, right? You need to enable the, um, you need to enable the enter the battlefield trigger. So you need a, a number of artifacts and enchantments that are going to allow you to do that. So there's 12 artifacts listed. Those are all usually mana rocks and a few other odds and sods. Um, but then you also have a few others that are sort of stashed in the creature count. Uh, so things like lion sash, for instance, there's like, I think there's another handful, five or six creatures in the actual, um, in the actual creature list. So you've got a critical number. I'd say you've got you're getting close to twenty uh, artifacts that you could run. Meanwhile, you've got another ten enchantments, and the question really becomes: Is you know that enough enchantments to get the job done? I don't know. I'm gonna. I would have to experiment and play with this the number of enchantments. But you know, you play some enchantments. You're gonna play Bastion of Remembrance. You're going to play Ethereal Absolution for sure, Ghostly Prison. But the real one you want to play is Teleportation Circle. All right? So that's one of the ways you're going to blink your commander repeatedly um, with this with this ability. Um, the other way to do it, there's a bunch of other ways to blink. Once you've... Yeah, wait, let's go back to that. Once you've enabled um, Naomi with having an artifact and enchantment, the next tri- target is to trigger her repeatedly by flickering her so the two easiest ways are things like well the teleportation circle for one then you have a conjurer's closet which is another one which is an artifact that will do the same thing at the end as your end step you've got a couple of instants that will do it too you have a cloud shift you have a, 
an ephemerate, you have a flicker of fate, you have all these cards that are going to allow you to um, the flicker your commander in and out of play. The one I don't include in this deck, this deck is an Eldrazi Displacer, and that would be another great target or to put in the deck if you're looking to upgrade it. Um, I didn't run the Eldrazi Displacer if if only because um, you it's it ends up pushing the price tag higher than I'm really comfortable going because you play the um, the teleportation circle, which is almost six dollars. You're going to play the unbreak. Sorry, not that the the where is it? Conjurer's closet, which is also you know getting on a seven bucks. So right there in a hundred card card hundred card deck, you spent thirteen bucks on two cards, and that's kind of not a ratio you can maintain for long. And if you went an Eldrazi Displacer, um, I'm not sure what Eldrazi Displacer costs these days, but I was being very conscious, um of my of my budget for this particular deck so looking at it online it is oh it's only three dollars so probably eldrazi displacer should probably go in the deck um so yeah eldrazi displacer should go in probably to go with it but anyway you want to blinker Na blink naomi as many times as you can and then most of your creature package is going to be uh stuff that's going to be used to slow your opponents down um, or to generally make a mess of things. So you're going to be getting things like Ravenous Chupacabra, which you can blink for fun. Uh, you can do things like Court Cartographer to go find lands for fun. Uh, you have Mentor of the Meek and Welcoming Vampire to draw you cards. You know, you just have a lot of different ways of powering out impactful things that are going to do make a, make a lot of impact in, on a board state. And... Uh, Hopefully allow you to, you know, flood the board with, with your samurai tokens, and then, you know, close the job out from there. Um, I'll be honest, Sir Lux. There's a lot of higher price additions that I would add to this list, but at a hundred bucks, like it gets somebody in the door playing, doing something that I think could be reasonably impactful, and, um. As a result, like you're, you know, 100 bucks, like you could go and buy that at a store, not blink too much, and you'd be in, in good shape, right? Do you like, do you agree with me, Lux? Like, is that like, that's our goal here on yep. the show, right? Like, as somebody was telling me, like, essentially, we brew yeah. a pre con every week on the show, and that's more or less what this is. This is a pre con deck, like, it's gonna play really well with other people who are playing at a lower power level, out of a, a pre con sort of level. And this is no different. You're going to have lots, you have a, you clearly have a strategy that you're looking to implement, but you don't have the expensive mana rocks. Like there's no mana crypts or mana vaults or all that stuff. You know, you get your Sol Ring, your Arcane Signet, a few other, you know, mana rocks and some, some cards that are going to get you some extra land. And then some, a strategy in terms of blinking stuff for value. <coughs> so anyway, hundred bucks. I don't, think you go, I don't think you can go wrong. And, uh, you know, get yourself something quite serviceable and, and worth uh, worth trying out. So, um, Lux, is there any any sort of interesting cards that, like, sort of surprised you that might have made the list this year? Or um, is everything sort of as you would come to expect, you think, from the sort of black-white blinky shenanigan deck?
Yeah, and honestly, like, no, like nothing really surprises me. Like some of these, and I can kind of see why you kind of put them. Yeah, in there. I mean, some of them are are more obvious than others. Like, you know, you get your sad robot. Sad robot's gonna, you know, help you find cards. Spirited, and like you can blink. You you don't just have to blink Naomi. A lot of these things have um, end of the battlefield triggers, so you can blink them too. Like your dust side, dust legion zealot or your grave lighter or you know on down the list so um the car got lots of flexibility um that you could totally do i'm a big believer in coveted jewel so coveted jewel makes the list even though you know you could argue put a much cheaper mana rock in there but i think coveted jewel is one of those cards that if you have it you probably should run it because i think it's fun i think it adds a lot to your game coveted jewel all right all right Yes, but is that it, Lux, for tonight? All right, let's wrap yep. this show up. Send everybody home. Put you to bed, folks. All right, so that wraps up this week's show. There goes episode 98 in the books. Um, we'll be back next week. We're going to have a look at the Shashiro deck. Uh, we're going to be looking at whatever, if there's new stuff from Nuka Pena or Baldur's Gate or whatever else comes down the pipe this week. Um, so lots going on in the world of magic as we head into this spring um, now that the winter has pretty much come to a close. If you like what you hear and you want to reach out to us, you can always reach out to us on email. Uh, you can email us at theepicexperimentpodcast at gmail.com. That link is in the show notes, and you're welcome to go and check it out. And emails, we love getting mail from people. We haven't had a, uh, any in a while. Uh, we'd love to get some more from people. If you like to find us on Twitter and you want to hit us up on social media, by all means, find us on Twitter at epicexpcast. That's us. You can send us a message. Let us know you like the show or a deck or whatever or something else. And um, that would be pretty awesome. We'd love to have people reach out to us on Twitter too. Uh, if you like or want to find any of our decks, you can go find them over on Moxfield. Please look at moxfield.com. Use the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast, and away we go. Uh, you can find our stuff. We've got over 100 decks right now, I believe, in our... Um, in our in our lists i think we're close to i think we're almost i think we're over 100 decks at this point 116 decks for a whole bunch of different formats some of them have brawl historic brawl commander um so whatever you like is is probably there for you to, to check out all right uh now i know lots of you listen to us on various podcast platforms whether it's uh, podbean itunes google play uh, spotify uh, or you just look at, find us on thelittlestcouncil.com. Whatever method you choose to listen to us, please leave a comment, like, subscribe, do whatever, follow, whatever it is you can do to engage with us and get the word out there that we are here each and every week talking Commander with you uh, and uh, you know whatever else comes up in the world of magic. So um, we'd love to hear what people have to think. And so reach out, let us know, let's have a talk about Kamigawa or what you hope for New Capena. Or something else. You know, we're open for anything. So, um, anyway, that's all for this week, folks. Thanks very much. Uh, until next week, this is the Epic Tournament Podcast. I'm signing off, wishing you all the best wherever you play magic. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a good night. Talk to you.